A comeback for the ages. The Marlins down by four, but they still come all the way back and get it done. Jorge Soler, two bombs. Cooper Loop, bomb. Gene Segura, first bomb of the year. Brian De La Cruz also with two RBIs. These Marlins never know when they're beat. Who are these Marlins? Tons to get into on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK for listening to the pod. Hit subscribe, leave a review. Everything is appreciated. And this, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. It's a sundowner here in the UK. Sun is dipping down, but this will be peak time in the US, no doubt, Eastern time. Um, guys, there is a YouTube channel too. Head on over there. Hit subscribe also. You will see if you are watching and you have the graphics to help you. The agenda is up, but also it's a Monday, guys. The UK GOAT is in the house. Sean Barrett, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. This is uh, quite a hot streak that the Marlins are going through. Uh, a heat wave in, in uh, England. This is uh, yeah. what time to be alive, eh? What a time, mate. It is hot. It's warm. It's clammy is how I describe it right now. You're staying hydrated. I'm staying hydrated. So it's all good. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, to everyone listening, firstly, I send my apologies for those expecting an emergency podcast last night. It was emergency podcast territory, no doubt about it. It should have been done. I wanted to do it. I was going bananas. What a game. What a win. What a comeback win. It was a comeback for the ages. However, I asked my good wife. No, I didn't ask her. I suggested. I suggested to Tara. Should I do an emergency? No, I think I'm going to do an emergency podcast. And she just turned to me. And now, you know, we know she's all in now, guys, because she turned to me and said, you can get pucked. You can get AJ pucked. I love to see that from Tara. Unbelievable skills from her. So apologies, guys. No emergency. So treat this as the emergency pod. Because to be honest with you, Sean, I'm still on the high. Like I woke up this morning still buzzing. I actually didn't even realize the Marlins played today because I was still buzzing about last night. In terms of comeback wins, mate, um, can you remember one like that? I mean, that was that was insane by anyone's standards. By even by twenty twenty three Marlins standards, that one was insane. It was. You've got a lot of things to focus on. The idea that it's four runs, like. The other, the other sort of comebacks that I can recall, you're talking about a couple of runs here, a couple of runs there. That's how the Marlins play their games, isn't it? They keep them tight. So sometimes mm. when you come back from a 1-0 down, it's not really a comeback, is it? It's just a competitive game that's been played. But four runs for a comeback for the Marlins, the way it was done with the catches interference and, and this, that and the other, it is a case of it's kind of sort of like voodoo-ish, isn't it? It's the Marlins at the moment are going through this streak where they, they, they seem invincible. And no matter what happens, no matter what they do, they win the game. And, and to begin the game, well, not to begin the game, but through the game, there were some things that you would, as a fan, think, oh, that's why we're going to lose the game, the pulling of Garrett early. Um, and there were a few other bits where you just thought, that, that's going to cost us game now. But yep. the, the team, you know, they, they've clawed it back, they fought back, 
um, with the home run as well. I mean, sometimes the Marlins in the past, it's a case of you know they're not going to make a comeback because the only way they're going to do that is by piecing together three, four, five, six hits together. Yeah. Whereas this team, with, with Soler specifically, it's just a case of that, that one knock um, could make all the difference. He's a game-changer, mate. He is a game-changing stick. And it wasn't just him and him alone yesterday. I think that's the beautiful thing. Jorge Soler, a multi-home run day. The second home run in particular, it was like a little effortless flick. I don't. I was thinking, that's just like a lazy fly. It just kept going. Just kept going. Jorge Soler, multi-home run day. But then also, to keep it rolling in that inning, then Garrett Cooper absolutely destroys one brother. I mean, 430, bouncing off the batter's eye, bouncing on. It probably finished 580 after it finished rolling. Um, your reaction at that point, Sean, like we, at that point, right, that, that brings them to within two again. Were you thinking at that point, this is back on? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a case of, at that point you're thinking, this is it, this is the ball rolling now. Mm. And now as far as Coop hyperbole, that's normally my area. 580 oh, might be stretching it a little bit <laughs> too far, but now he got all of that. And um, I, I know I keep talking about Coop and hot Coop is required. And, and so far we've, we're seeing sort of bits and pieces of that, but we're not really seeing it in the, in the full flow. Um, but hopefully that's, that's the case that this is a hot streak now because so while Soler has been carrying a lot of the weight of the mm. team, I mean, the fact that the team are eight games over 500 with the struggles that they've had, with Sandy struggling, yeah. with Jazz down on the IL, Cueto basically being, you know, nothing to the team. This is it's crazy. This team just keep finding ways to win games. Now, yes, it's an easy stretch, but these, these games have got to be won, you know, and these teams aren't going to roll over and... To get that series win against this team, I think, is so valuable going into what should probably be quite a interesting series with Seattle. Yeah, it will be. The, the Mariners series is going to be interesting. Uh, just on the White Sox specifically, uh, you know, I, I think they're, a, they're a tidy organization, to be honest with you. I think the roster looks good. The pitching was strong. Like, starting pitching in particular, I thought was strong. I, like, I looked at their lineup. It was funny because, you know, Sunday lineups – in Don Mattingly world, you know, as us as UK fans, we were just punished. Donnie just hated the international fans. He hated the UK fans every Sunday. You know, for us primetime viewing, it would be bench player after bench player after bench player going. Not the same as Skip Schumacher, I must say. And, but the White Sox, though, they did. They kind of flipped it. And there was a few bench bats in there. And I must say, I looked at that lineup on, on you know, game three and thought, this is winnable. Really winnable for the Marlins. Like, it really is. Um, let's go back, though, because just speaking about Skip, something we've spoken about on this pod, and the everydayers will know this and the listening in, We, you know, we're talking about his management of the starting rotation and the hook, how fast, how, not, how, you know, how slow at times it had been, particularly for Sandy. Um, Braxton Garrett, though, yesterday, the numbers came up, though, on the, you know, during the, the broadcast, third time through the order, Batting average skyrockets like the 380 or something. <clears throat> he did get one hitter, but after he got him out, Skip Schumacher came and got him. The bullpen then kind of let him down. It's one of those, mate, isn't it? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But really, the analytics, the history was telling us, Brax is done at this point. Let's get him out of here and let's you know lean on this pen. But Marlins Twitter, mate, boy, oh boy, they were not happy. And they were, they were calling for Skip Schumacher's head, I think, at that point. But, you know... 
You can't manage in that way. You have to trust yourself and, and your decisions. What's your take, though? Because there has been a definite shift in terms of shortening the length of some of these starters, particularly Sandy, but also with Brax yesterday, mate. Yeah, I mean, in arguing against it, I'm going against everything I believe in, the, the analytics. And and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of guys going long in games anyway. Your, your bullpen arm should be better than the guy after his 85th pitch. But for me, the, the reason why I was so concerned was it was 82 pitches, which is quite a bit, especially for a guy like Garrett who's young and, and isn't fully stretched out in a sense of he's not done years and years and years of, of going six innings, 100 pitches. No one mm. does nowadays anyway. But it's the fact that he struck the first guy out and looked yeah. good. Yeah. Um, it was just, it, it wasn't like it was a, a tough at bat that he was struggling through with command and just luckily got a, a ground ball out or a, a high fly ball. He struck the guy out and looked good. Um, and yeah. coming off the mound, I think that's probably the most sort of enthusiasm I've seen from him, the most personality I've seen from him. He yeah. was angry. Like legitimately angry, yeah. um, and I think if Chagrin had come in and and finished off the union clean, we would have just hope oh, I'm forget about it. Don't need to worry about it. It's that it was so bad, three runs in two thirds of an inning, giving up essentially the game without actually giving up the game because they came back. But at that point, it was a case of that call blew the game. Now if he'd left Garrett in and Garrett blew the game, people would be arguing. Why didn't you pull him? He's at 82 pitches. You know, it's a yep. damn if you do and damn if you don't. But when you're watching a game, you, you don't have that kind of, that sort of nuance. You just react and, and think that whatever decision that they made that went wrong was the wrong, wrong one. And, oh, I would have made a different decision. So it's always tough. And for Skip, for me, it is a case of if he's going to go with the analytics, if he's going to go with it, then he sticks with it and goes yep. with it. If he believes that and he goes with it, and in the long run that works out for him, game to game, we play 162 games. Game to game, you can't be so up, uppity about the decisions that he makes. It's what happens over the length of the season. Now, having said that, while I'm watching the game and, and on Twitter as well, I'm going mm -hmm. to be reactive. But yeah. that's the way the world is, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Got a first ad coming up in a second, but before we get there, Sean, just wanted to briefly ask you and just, well, summarise Braxton Garrett there at that point. I mean, Braxty, for me, he he's underrated at this point. I mean, I know I had a rough outing against the Braves where he had to eat it. It's one of them where he truly had to eat it um, against the Bravos. But listen, Braxty, for me, has been nothing short of fantastic this year, and he's, he's underrated. And yesterday, he was in total command. Total command, strikeouts galore, mate. I mean, it was one of the best performances I've seen of any Marlins pitcher this season, not even Braxy. It may not have been Braxy's best because he's had so many. But briefly, just touch on Braxton Garrett, what he's delivering for this team here in that fifth-man spot. Obviously, he didn't even start in the rotation. You talked about Cueto, only one inning out of him. Trevor Rogers, not much either. Braxy, is, he's really stepped up here. Yeah, from, from what the Marlins really were asking of him to begin the season, he's really stepped up. It is that case of he's now given them quite a bit of length to the point where we're talking if he doesn't go six or pulling him before he goes six is, is a negative on, on the coaching staff. The fact that we as fans now, and to a certain degree, the, you know, the numbers are saying, look, let this guy have a bit more of a leash. 
yeah. um, is, is unbelievable. And, yeah, his numbers are, are great. You know, the Caper 9, the Walker 9, they're all really, really nice. Um, so, for me, it is a case of he's going to have an innings limit, and that's really going to be starting to become a, a storyline for the whole of this rotation yeah. um, as we get through sort of June and July and August, um, specifically with certain people. Um, but with Garrett, it's also going to be there. Will he get a longer leash because he's less of a a star name and they feel like they can push that ticket a little bit further and he can be mm. sacrificed a little bit maybe? It'll be to be seen, but um, for now, yeah, every single start we get from Garrett that's this good, you just keep chalking it off and like, yep, we'll take that. Another dub. We're going to talk about that exact topic that you're leading me into and segueing me to, but actually there's already an agenda up, so those watching see the rundown, talking about Trevor Rogers after the after the ads, and that all bleeds into the Trevor Rogers, Uri Perez conversation, Braxton Garrett conversation, Johnny Cueto also rehabbing as well, so Tons of decisions coming here for the Marlins. But before we do that, time to let, let you know about our good friends over at eBay Motors. And the teal graphics are up, baby. Um, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit. Or your money back, because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Absolutely destroyed that ad read, by the way. Those listening, drop me in the comments what you thought out of 10. Was that a 10 out of 10 ad read? Felt like it was up there. Sean, we're starting to get the conversation going around Trevor Rogers. And we thought we may have been having this conversation a touch earlier where he was making this rehab start. Then the weather came in. Next day, he went out there, threw a few pitches, was warming up, then took himself out. We're like, what's happening here? Was Trevor, is he hurt? Is he traded? Is he, is he got the call? Is he being recalled? What's happening with Trev? We get the news. He's got an injury in his non-throwing arm, but still likely to make a start in the next day or two, I believe, for Trevor Rogers. We then get into the question about how do you get him back into the rotation after this start, which is the expectation. Our man, Craig Mish that is the most plugged-in guy that there is with the Marlins, is out there. You know, he, he's pretty much showing the blueprint, in my opinion, that Uri Perez is going to be the one that is demoted at this point and then goes into innings maintenance mode, let's call it, for the next couple of months. And then the Marlins, when they need him in the hunt and in the postseason, can call on Uri Perez to deliver some meaningful innings. Thoughts on that? Proposition at this point, Sean. Um, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like it. No, I really don't like it. I, I've been saying for a long time, even before the season, about Erie's pitch limits that he's going to have this year. That's why I thought we wouldn't see him this year. Yeah, because of that case, I didn't think they'd start his clock 
knowing that there's that innings limit. I'd have liked to have seen him get to 110, 120 in the minor leagues and then come up. They brought him up in a very um, aggressive way. Yeah, they did. You know, the, the team were competitive and, and continue to be competitive, and he absolutely has contributed to that, and, and has looked like he belongs. I think if they send him down, slow him down, so he's not going every five days, mm. and then bring him back up and work, ramp him back up again, I just think he's 20 years old. He's your number one prospect. He's the number one pitching prospect. Mm. Yes, I would love the Marlins to make the playoffs. Yes, I'd love to see him start in the playoffs for the Marlins. I'll probably be in Miami for it if it happens. But mm-hmm. I think it's very risky. I would personally, and it depends on Rogers. Obviously, if Rogers is re- available in the next 10 days, then we've really got a decision to make. But yep. could they slow him down? Could they keep Aerie in the rotation, slow down Rogers, let him get a good rehab, and then bring him up? And Irving will be at his pitch limit, and, and you, that's him done for the year. I don't see the idea. If if you really want to maximise Irving's innings at the major league level, does it matter if those innings are in June and July rather than August and September? In my eyes, it doesn't. Mm. And if while he's hot and while he's pitching well, why mess around with that and send yeah. him down to AAA and stretch it, slow him down to speed him back up and have him come up later? I just don't understand it. Maximise his innings. Use all of them now. Get yourself towards the deadline. Still X games over 500. You've got Rogers coming in. You've got Cueto. Who knows? Who cares? You've got the trade deadline. You bring in some pieces. Use his, his bullets now. Make the most of them now. Don't mess the kid around. Don't mess around with your top prospect. It's going to be tough, isn't it? Because, you know, from Uri Perez particularly, you know, he's he's joined the club. Aggressive, like you said. Next thing is, like the Marlins are on a streak here. They're fully streaking. They're winning games. Uri's in, you know, see yesterday when De La Cruz, uh, sorry, no, the Gene Segura home run, sorry. Talk about Gene a bit later. The Gene Segura home run. It pans to the dugout. Uri Perez going absolutely bananas there. Like, you know, he didn't know what to do with his limbs. His limbs were uncontrollable. It's the only time I've seen his limbs uncontrollable was celebrating a Gene Segura home run. Like, he's part of this club now. He's part of this run, this streak. Next thing is, what do you say? Hey, Uri, listen, we're going to go manage you a touch by sending you down to AAA. Like, that is a tough sell. A tough sell and a tough mental you know, it's a big mental test for him as well because AAA is nothing like a winning major league clubhouse. And Yuri's deserved his spot there. I mean, I, as again, the everyday is listening will know, like my opinion in this has not wavered. I know what Craig is telling us because that's what he's being told and that is likely the decision being made. I just don't agree with it. I'm, I'm with you, Sean. I'm like, let's just ride the hot hand. We even got to see a bit of Uri Perez really facing into some adversity in a big inning. There was a chance where we may see the first Uri Perez blow-up inning. And you think, oh boy, is he going to be chased out of a game? No! Uri Perez knuckled down. Bases juiced, no outs. Uri gets out of it. So, wait to see. Trevor Rogers, though, I think it's a really good point you made, though, Sean, because Trevor, there's no need to rush him back. Like... I know he's had two rehab starts. They've looked okay. They're ramping up in intensity. But 
Then he's got another problem with his other arm. I'm touching my left, but actually it'll be his right. But anyway, um, you know, there's no need to rush Trevor here. Like, let's not get to a situation where you end up making all these moves and next thing is Trevor gets hurt again straight away. So to your point, pump the brakes a bit with Trev. Let him ease into it. Like, he hasn't pitched in, you know, in meaningful games for over two months. So <coughs> it's been a while coming. Wait to see Johnny Cueto, though, equally. First rehab start for Johnny Cueto yesterday. Just under three innings, I believe. Gave up a couple of hits. No earned runs. You know, a, a walk sprinkled in there. But um, again, our man Cray yesterday, not overly optimistic or complimentary, I would say, about Johnny Cueto in his stint with the Marlins thus far and his rehab and all sorts. I don't think the Marlins, though, just straight up cut bait, though, with Johnny Cueto, right? I think they do still look to try and work him back and get some something out of their investment this year, right? Yeah, I mean, even if it's just mop-up innings, like, it, if Cueto comes back and is in any way a semblance to what he has been previously, then that will be hugely surprising, and, and I will take it. But th- I think it is a case of this will be... Bruce, uh, Bruce Chen, not Bruce Chen, that's the wrong Chen, Wei-Yi Chen and uh, Jordan Yamamoto innings. This will be mop-up, uh, the game is lost, go throw out Kwaito um, yeah. for 3.1 innings and, and he'll give up 12 runs. That's, that's kind of the level I'm at at the moment. And anything, else will be, anything else will be gravy. It's crazy how much of a drop-off it is, right, from Kwaito, where he had a great year last year, you know, in, in general. We we're all pretty optimistic about this signing, particularly with the the view that Pablo Lopez would be moved and, you know, Cueto would come in and, and do a job. And boy, oh boy, we're two months in, you know, two and a half months in. And, you know, the optics have completely changed with Cueto. Obviously, it's just, it's been a complete disaster here with the Marlins. And some people say, listen, let's just DFA the dude now. Let's just get out of it and, you know, move on. And that's, you know, it's, again, another decision that has to be made. Let's assume Trevor's back, Uri's available. Like, what are they even going to do with Johnny Cueto? Like, what kind of role could there be? Because everyone's contributing right now. There's no passengers. We don't want passengers at this point. And so if he is going to be a passenger, perhaps they have to eat the dough here, the Marlins. I mean, I'd be surprised. Maybe they could trade him. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, other teams may be interested in a vet starter like Johnny Cueto and they could just move the dough and, you know, just move on. But I'm struggling to see a role here for Johnny Cueto. What about you? Yeah. I mean, it is a case of, he will be an arm for hire, a guy that you can, an arm for hire. you can use and abuse and you don't really need to care. We've just yeah. talked about Ari and how, how valuable his arm is and how important it is. And you've got to protect it. Cueto's arm is at that point where you, you let it hang, you use, use and abuse it. And um, somebody will, if it's not the Marlins, somebody will. Yeah, as you said, the Marlins probably have to eat all that dough, but um, get a bucket of balls back and and let him go do mop-up duty somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, you never know. Like, the Braves always seem to find a rough diamond in the the trade deadline. We'll see. Let's talk about Mean Gene Segura, though, mate, because, I mean, Mean Gene has struggled like no one else this year, offensively anyway. It's been just so challenging for the guy the one thing i would say before we dig into this you know his his moment thus far actually you know there's been one or two moments he comes alive in the ninth inning i must say um but mean gene 
this is what I've liked about him, Sean, is he does not shirk and hide when there's questions to be asked. That's the one thing I'd say with Mean Gene. The one difference, when I look back at last year with Avicel Garcia, because Avi had a similar struggle last year. He was playing every day, like Gene Segura. It was not good, but we never heard a peep out of Avicel Garcia. Not one. He was not up in front of the media, no nothing. It was just Avi, legs akimbo, earning his dough, nothing happening. That, for me, says tons about Gene Segura. It also says tons about Avicel Garcia, to be honest with you, but let's not waste time talking about Avicel Garcia. Gene Segura, first home run of the year. Here's what I found. In a big spot. <laughs> My watch is talking to me now. Um, in a big spot, mate. Big, big homer. And you just saw the reaction of the clubhouse, the bench, for obvious reasons, but equally because it was Gene Segura. And the celebrations after it, were stunning, mate. Could be a big, big moment for Gene Segura. If he could get going, bottom of the order really starts to lengthen up here for the Marlins. <laughs> it was a big moment. We'll get to that point in the next bit. Um, but it was a big moment. And yeah, for Segura, it, you could see it. It was sort of like he was hopping down to first base, watching yeah. it, watching it, and then it had gone. Um, yeah, I think you're right in the sense of like we've, we've slandered him a lot and a lot of people slandered him a lot because of the performance he is by war the second worst player in baseball right now oh boy. and um, I don't think this home run is going to make much difference personally <laughs> um, but he cares as a, as a matter of personal pride he does and, and with that you can respect that he's not just looking at his bank balance while everyone else is, you know, celebrating <laughs> as Avi did, as as he said, I mean, not maybe he wasn't looking at his bank balance, but he was looking at something else other than being with the team. Segura for me, it's it's tough because if the Marlins are going to want to be competitive, they can't keep rolling that out at third base. Simply can't. Um, it, it's it's a case of they're going to have to do something. Mm. Um, and with Segura, in the same way as Cueto, it's just a it's a failed free agent acquisition that they're probably going to have to eat the money on or DF because you, you can't you can't keep running out a negative one war player on a team that have playoff aspirations and and as the Marlins get closer, you know, eight games over five hundred. I'm going to keep saying that. I could happily say that a dozen times on this podcast today because this does not happen to the Marlins. Ever, no. it's so rare. I've waited decades for a team that have put up these kind of performances, and right now there is some dead wood. There is a there's an area of improvement there, yeah. maybe at catcher, and there's a few others. But it is a case of this Segura. I'm glad for him. I'm glad he had his moment yeah. in the sun. That was that that helped the Marlins get a win. That won't go on to his war and make him a, a zero war player. But he, technically, that was his moment in the sun. That was his one win for contributing to one win this season. Um, but long term, I don't think it changes much. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait to see on, on Gene. Um, do you think third base is the biggest position of need for the Marlins at this point? 100%. I think, yeah. I think Fortes has shown a little bit of sort of juice to this lineup, I think. Definitely. Um, I think that's catch is so hard to replace. Yeah. You can plug in and place play a, a third baseman or you know a center field or whatever you want to do. Um, catcher, it's so tough. Stallings 
catches a good game. That's all we ever hear. Maybe because that's the only positive you can say of him. Um, and Fortes is, yeah, he's, he's a half-decent backup catcher offensively, which isn't saying much, but mm. it's enough. I think third base at the moment, you you plug in a literally a replacement player, you are upgrading your third base. Go out at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline. Be aggressive. They've already done that so far this season. They seem to be aggressive. Be mm. aggressive. Go out and get a third baseman. Yeah. You you are making a sizable difference if you bring in a positive war player, and and whenever you can do that is 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 massive. I do wonder if. Um the option is actually in-house and maybe, you know, maybe you just start to just see some more playing time for birdie or something over there, or maybe Joey Wendell. I mean, Joey Wendell at shortstop actually has been a, a pleasant surprise, to be honest with you. Um, his numbers uh, are fine. I made a, an amazing play over in that, in that White Sox series in particular, one where, you know, diving to his right, you know, on his knees, somehow got, got it out and got, got the guy at first. It was stunning. So, yeah, it's an interesting one at third base. Gene Segura, just for those kind of wondering or thinking, hey, what's the Gene Segura contract situation? Uh, he's, he's owed six and a half million this year. Um, he's also owed guaranteed as well, eight and a half next year. Uh, there's a club option uh, for the third year too, which uh, is unlikely to be exercised at this point. Two million buyout on that. So yeah, effectively, there's another 10 and a half plus whatever's left of this year um, left on, on Gene Segura. So not inconsequential it's a sizable amount um what i would say on mean gene is a i've already talked about the personality side b i would say the defense has held up he's made some nice grabs particularly those um you know throwing he's always at the arm and we've seen that it's been you know a little bit scattergun at times um but what i would say is those balls hard hit um to actually catch for the out He's been making some real nice snags there at third base, which has been pretty impressive. Um, so if the stick could just turn around a touch, then it would be huge, particularly considering the money that's owed and probably the difficulty of getting out of that. But <coughs> we'll see. We're running a, a touch behind here. We're going to go an extra five minutes on today's episode. And Sean already knew that. So um, we'll keep it rolling. I want to talk about briefly Brazaban from yesterday, mate. Um, it's fair to say... Brazaban has had a bit of a rough go of things recently. We hadn't seen him for a while until yesterday's game, and then he had another tough one. I do wonder if all of a sudden the Brazaban magic has started to wear off a touch and maybe, you know, there's a change in role or even a change in terms of, you know, heading down to AAA perhaps with Brazaban and, and, you know, getting out away from the Marlins for a touch. I don't know. Is there anything you spotted particularly other than obviously the, you know, the blow up, the you know, innings we've seen, but... You know, it's been a bit of a weird year for Braz. Yeah, I mean, he came in hot and, and was, you know, this sort of streaking light through the sky and, and we, was, we were wondering where this guy come from and mm. it sort of slowed down now. And I think, yeah, you're right in the sense of his, his role has changed. That We're seeing significant gaps between appearances and appearances and it's almost... Yeah. I don't think yesterday was quite a mop-up job because... He came in in the seventh, and, and obviously the Mars had given up the lead, and, and maybe to a certain degree they'd given up uh, on the game. And the Brazilian came in and gave up a couple more runs, and I think it, when you get a guy from independent ball, um, you, you take what you can. And I mean, he's still got a sub four ERA, but that yeah. 
that's after a, a real hot start. And so I should imagine the second half of the season so far, you would see the, that number being massive. I've not looked at it myself, but just looking at his game logs, you, <laughs> those numbers start to add up real quick. Yeah. Um, and sure. I, think, I think, yeah, at this point, you're looking at Brazzaban and he's not going to come in or hopefully not going to come in a game of consequence uh, or in a situation of leverage. Um, which technically makes yesterday's comeback win even more miraculous. Yeah, well, exactly. And Brian Hohen getting an, an inning in there too as well. So, you know, I think to your point, and, and rightly so in many ways, like they're down by four, down by, by two, obviously, um, when um, when Braz came in himself. But they were starting to, to kind of lean into the relievers that weren't the leverage guys, which I think said a lot about what they were thinking about that game at that point um, at the back end of a series and going onto another city road trip against what will be a tough Mariners. So, yeah, wait to see on Braz has been a touch disappointing, but let's flick over briefly to the all-star voting as well, because uh, we've got our first round and wave of votes cast. Um, Sean, no surprises though. I would say that Luis Arias uh, right now by the fan vote anyway, um, is the the top voted second baseman deservedly so made? Uh, I think the Marlins are going to have back to back starters in the All Star game at second base, um, which is kind of wild. Jazz Chisholm obviously starting at second base last year. I mean, there's not really much else we need to say about Luis Arias, but this fan vote things do get a bit harem scarem because of the bigger fan base is voting in their players. We're going to talk about one in particular, but Luis Arias. He will be the name, the starter. We think when all said and done with this all star voting, hundred um, percent. It would take something miraculous. It would take something that would make worldwide news to to stop Arias from continuing to hit four hundred and be the all star. I think, um, and rightfully so. And I think this year, as it stands, especially with the way that the all star voting occurs, he might be the only Marlins yeah. all star this year. Yep, segues me into it, mate. I mean, that's been the the major talking point, I would say, is the, the potential second All-Star. Um, the one we're talking about is Jorge Soler, um, who is having a stunning season in the DH spot. The first wave of fan voting is out, and there's fair to say, well, he's fourth on the list, so it's not like a complete disaster, but ahead of him on this list, Travis Darno. And Bryce Harper, these two dudes um, who've done absolutely nothing this year, pretty much. They've been on the IL for the majority of it. Um, I mean, Soleil's got to make this all-star game, I think. I mean, it may not be the fan vote. It may be as an alternate guy. And, you know, maybe Bryce will say, listen, you know, I don't want to be going the all-star game with, you know, the the issues he's been having. So I don't think Hoy Soleil's going to be voted in, though. To be honest, he's not going to make it in that way. But he, he deserves... To be there, I think. The question I've got is, has Soler ever been an all-star? I know we had that unbelievable campaign where he hit 50 bombs, but has Hoy Soler ever been an all-star? I mean, let me quickly look while we're here. But um, this just shows, though, the fan voting, though, Sean, right? Where, you know, big teams voting. I mean, J.D. Martinez is leading the DH spot, and J.D. Martinez had a, a very similar year to Hoy Soler, but obviously plays for the Dodgers now. So that makes sense. But Bryce Harper and Travis Darno, come on, you cannot sell me that. That they deserve to be ahead of Jorge Soler at this point, right? No, and that's why I'm going to go so far as to say I hate the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, the, the, the fan voting makes it a mockery. 
Uh, I I would I I don't know how to change it, and to be honest, I wouldn't watch it if they did change it. So I don't really care. The All Star Game to me is a made-for-TV exhibition to to make money, and for me, um, I have no interest in it. I know that it's obviously this huge deal in baseball being an all-star um yeah. you know it's, 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 it has a value it has a monetary value to these players um and obviously the big market teams are always going to sort of swamp the the fan vote um but but for me it's just it's just silly um i'm glad that will his excellence is so much that he'll overcome <laughs> that and obviously every team has to have a player go because otherwise you won't have fan bases watch the game and, and again make money for Major League Baseball. But for me, the All Star Game is the or one of the most uninteresting things in baseball. Um, I'm happy to ignore it nine times out of ten. Well, it, like, to, to your point there, Luis Arias will be a second time All Star. I think he was in the All Star team last year, but wouldn't have been at second base. Uh, I don't. I don't actually know if he started at first base. Did he start at first base? I don't even know. I have to look back on that. But and also just to mop up here, um, these are the days when we need um, Rob Newell. Uh, for those listening in, like Rob Newell, longtime podcaster with me on uh, Fish Across the Pond, and he was always the mop up guy where he'd just like in the middle of an episode go and find out facts and information, much like Sean does anyway. But I don't think Hoy Soler has ever been an All Star. That's. Uh, I, I don't think he has, and so. He had that one campaign with the Royals where he had 48 home runs in a year, um, played in every game as well. Wasn't an all-star, though. I don't believe. Sean, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, um, you know, I think there's a guy that potentially does deserve to be maybe a toy Soler. But I don't know. Let's have a look here. Yeah, he hasn't been. There you go. He hasn't been. So it would be the first time for Soler being an all-star. So... Let's see if he ends up there. We're out of time, though, Sean. I get your views and your point on the all-star voting and, and whatever. It's a bit of a mockery, and it's it slants, you know, players end up getting in because they play for big clubs, not because they deserve it. And actually, considering the prestige of that, I think that is a bit unfortunate. And I get it. They want to engage fans in the voting process, and they wanted to make it engaging for fans, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, to just have unlimited numbers of votes... Like, and you could just plow in votes day after day after day, then surely this is going to be biased to the big teams, not the players that deserve it. So I think it needs a bit of a look at. But with that being said, um, we're going to call it a day. We're almost a 40 minutes, guys. It was an emergency pod with a little bit of a delay, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, guys, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen today. Thank you to the UK GOAT, of course, on a Monday, Sean Barrett. Um, for those that have seen me on Twitter and seen everything on Twitter. Yes, there has been some tragic news recently with 60,000 bottles of Spanish Rioja pouring into the streets. So if there is no episode for the next day or two, you know I've headed to Spain to help up with that mop-up duty. In the meantime, guys, Marlin's going at it in game one. This evening, of course, time zone is not friendly, um, but they are going at it uh, against the Mariners. Big test for the Marlins here. I wonder if they can keep this momentum rolling because right now a lot of people are saying they aren't beating any good teams. However, the A's have got hot um, and uh, the White Sox, I think, equally have been hot. So can the Marlins deliver a statement victory, series victory on the road in Seattle 
We'll wait to see. We'll see you tomorrow.